Today I talked to Steve Wolfgang about theology. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Steve Wolfgang went to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and he studied theology and ended his academic career with a master's and PhD in history, dealing primarily with intellectual history. You can imagine with that kind of academic background, he is absolutely qualified to speak on the complications of a concept like theology. And that's what he's done with his life. He has been a preacher for many years. He taught at the University of Kentucky, and once he retired from the university, he went to work with a church in Chicago, where he currently still labors for the Lord. You'll find in his words, often which are complicated and deep, that he has a love for distilling ideas down to their basics. And today, that's what we'll do with the word theology. Let's jump in. Steve, how would you define the word theology? Well, it's a word, of course, that scares a lot of people because it comes freighted with a lot of baggage and it means a lot of different things to different people. But basically, I mean, if you just look at the words theos, for God, it comes from the Greek theos for God and logos, meaning essentially word or usually speaking or writing. So thus, theology, theologos, is about speaking or writing or maybe even thinking about God. So while it, it has taken on all kinds of kind of philosophical overtones, and sometimes it presents that way, and people get this idea that it's about, uh, you know, the flight pattern of left-handed angels, or, you know, the old saw about how many angels could dance on the head of a pin, and a lot of logic chopping and so forth. It's really just thinking about um, or speaking about uh, God. So anybody who does God talk or God speak, whether teaching a Bible class or preaching a sermon, uh, which historically is where a lot of theology got worked out, is sermons were God talk. They were speaking about God. And uh, then there are a number of subdivisions uh, there. Uh, you may want to pause, we may want to pause for a moment here. So I'm going to kind of go three different directions and talk about uh, historical theology, uh, biblical theology and systematic theology, not necessarily in that order, but those are kind of three big chunk areas, three big buckets, if you will, uh, that we might think of with regard to, to that area. So that's kind of an introductory definitional paragraph, okay. if you will. So before we get to the three buckets and the three different routes we can go talking about the concept of theology, let me ask a, a practical question right from the beginning of the episode. Why does theology matter? Well, because God matters, and everything that God has revealed, whether it's about, and this does kind of get us into the other areas, whether it's about God himself, theology, or whether it's about Jesus Christ, the subdivision of theology, then would be Christology, again, all these words, or soteriology, about sin and salvation, ecclesiology, about the church, so if any of those things are important to someone, uh, there are obviously a lot of people who have no 
say they have no interest in God, although I would say a lot of them do God talk. They think about God, even those who decided they don't uh, believe in him, or anybody who's involved in, in a church or in some kind of religious work or who who has faith in, uh, I mean, anything in that, that deals with that general area, if that's important to you, then theology is important to you. So I guess that's my very simplistic answer to your question. So historical theology is the first one you mentioned there. What, what, where would we go in our understanding there? Yeah, historical theology is kind of a neither fish nor fowl critter. Um, is it theology or is it uh, history? I would I would argue that it's as much or more history than theology. But it's it's we might make this distinction. It's descriptive. It it tells or describes what people have said, have thought, have written about theology. What are some of the big historical controversies of the past, and why? For example, did different denominations come out in different places with regard to their theological creeds? And so in some ways, it's not prescriptive. It's not trying to say this is what you should think about this or what you, what you ought to believe about something. It's more about what has been said and what has been done. Okay. So you just mis- mentioned systematic theology. Uh, how would we define that? Okay. Systematic theology is, um, trying to put it in my simplistic terms, sort of the, the nickel tour, um, would be an attempt to take biblical doctrines to do what we might call biblical theology, which uh, l- let me back up and sort of tackle that first, if I can. Um, because on a very simple level, I mentioned uh, working out theology in terms of sermons, where which is obviously God talk. If I'm going to do a sermon on baptism, let's say, or the church, or the sacrifice of Christ, or covenants, or whatever, I can't find all of that information in one place. The Bible is not a systematized encyclopedia where you look under the A's for absolution, under the C's for church, or what have you. So if I'm going to do a sermon on that or write an article or whatever, I'm going to have to pull together a number of different biblical concepts and texts. And in the process of doing that, um, I or anybody else who does it is going to privilege some things. We're, we probably can't cover everything, at least in one sermon, that deals with all that the Bible says about the church or about baptism or about whatever. Um, so we, we do some kind of systematic pulling together of texts that seem important to us. And so biblical theology is concentrating on what does the text of Scripture say Um, as opposed to, say, something like natural theology, which attempts to see what can we learn from God in terms of of biology and chemistry and the astronomy, the natural world around us. So to get back now to systematic theology, systematic theology would be an attempt to, to really put in very systematic order everything about God himself, about Jesus Christ, uh, Christology, about the Holy Spirit, ecclesiology, uh, all of the ideas about the church or soteriology, about sin and salvation, about um, uh, eschatology, the end time. So you would, you would catalog all of the different uh, millennial theories that have been uh, drawn from over the years out of one scripture or another. 
and compare that. So the, the, there's not like, a, I, I mentioned three buckets, and maybe it's not like there are three different buckets and they all have these solid walls of division between them. They, it, it's probably better to look at it more as a spectrum, if you will, where there is some, some blending. But I think you could see some basic differences between historical and biblical and then systematic theology. And I think the problem uh, that we run into sometimes is that when you start systematizing, um, obviously you are now imposing on the material in the Bible certain judgments about uh, where does this go, is this important, and so there's there's enters in the possibility of human rearranging, I guess you'd say, of Scripture. Now, I don't think that's, I think that's unavoidable. I think anybody who does theology or even thinks about God, uh, we all make value judgments, and sometimes our value judgments agree with those of others, and sometimes they don't. Uh, and so that's where things begin to get really interesting. Hey, this is Adam. I hate to interrupt, but I wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will likely enjoy my books that have come out by Eden Hollow. Head over to EdenHollowBooks.com and check out some of the books you can pick up today. Now, let's get back to the topic. Um, another thing I think about systematic theology that people sometimes in the pew are kind of allergic to. And I think this is one of the points of what you're trying to do with this pod podcast is to communicate to those in the pew what, what's going on when we do theology, when we talk about God or write about God, is that it tends to get maybe overly philosophical. And you tend to get perhaps too much injection of human wisdom or human sometimes speculation and speculation is not necessarily bad. I think as long as we label it speculation and we're willing to acknowledge the fact that, you know, this is a good theory or this is probably what happened or this may be what happened. It's when we start to make our speculation uh, dogmatic, if you will, that, that this is, we know this is what happened when in fact maybe the, the evidence doesn't quite bear that out. And we see this in a lot of different disciplines, not just religion or theology, but that kind of thing happens in, in theological talk. Um, sometimes it can get overly technical, and people, particularly when you start slinging uh, Greek words around or concepts that may not be familiar to, to audiences, um, it's, it's, that's sometimes where the challenge of, of thinking theologically uh, comes in. That, that was an excellent uh, explanation of the different ways that theology is used. You're going to be dealing with a different type of, of theology, uh, whether you've got, you know, view this as a spectrum, or I, I tend to look at it as, you know, all these extra things you've said, like soteriology and eschatology and pneumatology, is that you're, you've got subheadings, you've got all these uh, subcategories of what it means, you know, all the God stuff is divided up into these different areas. What matters for the person who is doing the studying, which is really what theology is about, is what is your purpose? What are you yeah. trying to achieve in studying? Are you trying to come to a better understanding of God? Are we trying to have a better understanding of what God has done through Jesus? Are we trying to better understand the Holy Spirit? It's that purpose, that intention that really matters. That That's going to determine what you're actually studying. Yeah. 
Let me mention one other uh, thing that I think gives theology a bad name, and maybe rightfully so, is as we start to think systematically about what's in the Bible, and maybe even relate, this is maybe tying in a little bit of historical theology, but our thinking about it, and particularly writing about it, once something leaves the kind of more temporary area of oral of speaking, and now we put it in print or write it down on parchment or however, uh, then it becomes more permanent, it gets to be circulated. And of course, what, what happened historically is that this thinking theologically, when people began to teach things that weren't biblical, they stepped outside the area of biblical theology, and now somebody else comes along and says, that's not biblical. And what you get out of these different arguments is you get a creed. You get something that's written down. So I'm going to read something here. This is from the Nicene Creed, um, and it's an interesting sort of thing. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. I'm going to pause there to say you can already see from some of the wording, the, the, some of the historical background of why this creed was thought necessary to be written down. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you believe all of that, but I'm not shy to say I don't think there's anything unbiblical in anything that I've read or really in anything else that's in this very early creed. Uh, you could say the same thing for the Apostles' Creed. and he, he, So uh, it, it's not that the, the creed is wrong, this God talk written down now in permanent form, but when it becomes the standard rather than the Bible, then the question maybe becomes, um, are, are we relying more on our human understanding and arrangement of the Scripture than the Scripture itself? And then a related question that comes out of that that we may want to talk about is it possible to have an unwritten creed, something that actually is not, it's not still in oral form, but it's not formally written down anywhere. So there's that, sometimes that connection with theology that gives it kind of a bad name. Uh, but it's possible to have an unwritten creed that nobody really voted on, but everybody kind of understands from church to church in a given religious fellowship that this is what you do and this is what you don't do. Um, and, and again, that's, that's a, a part of theology, even though it's not written down as, as a creed might be written down. So I don't know if that's where you wanted to go with this conversation, but that's where I'm taking us. So, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm for wherever direction we go. So it, in dealing with systematic theology, when we do that sort of interpretation, theology, while we, it is literally the word means the study of God or speaking of God, is it really more a sense of how we interpret God and God things? Well, I would say that's certainly one aspect of it. Uh, I mean, all, all study, all just reading of the Bible involves to some degree interpretation. Uh, that is, what, what does this word mean to me? How do we understand these ancient documents that were written in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek when many of us don't speak, well, certainly not speak those languages, but maybe not even able to read them. Uh, and so we rely on translators who have their own 
um, backgrounds and their own judgments uh, about things. So I don't know that I would say that it necessarily follows in one sense, but but maybe in another sense, yeah, it's, it probably is is inescapable. Anything you read requires interpretation. I don't care if you're talking about the Bible or the newspaper. Sure. Anything. I don't know if anybody reads newspapers anymore, but <laughs> the Bible or an internet article. Uh, everything you read requires interpretation. It is just a natural process of the reading. Yeah. I know that word has become sort of a byword among certain uh, religious people. Of well, I don't interpret the Bible. I just, I just you know let it say what it says. Well, for it to say what it says, you have to interpret what it says. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, you were asking about my biography a moment ago. Um, of course, I, I came. I am in, involved in a, and have preached for churches that that don't have a formal written creed, and in some ways, that almost is the creed. That I mean, it's it's part of that unwritten rule that you don't have a creed, uh, and almost maybe some people would say you don't interpret the Bible. You just take the Bible for what it says. Well, that's an interpretive scheme all in its own right. So one of my earliest theological exposures was I, when I was in the first time I went to Israel in 1967, right after the Six-Day War. I spent most of the summer studying uh, in a group that was taught by a Jesuit priest. It taught me that, yes, I, I, do, I, I do interpretation uh, when I'm speaking and thinking about God, about Jesus, about the church. Um, I'm making value judgments about that. I do think that whether it is written or not, most churches have a creed. Most churches have a set of beliefs and doctrines that they hold to and that they identify themselves by. And whether you want to call that a creed or not, essentially that is this, this list of beliefs, these do's and don'ts define who we are. And you can only be a part of us if you agree and assent to this set of, of beliefs. That is essentially a, a creed. Now, when, like you said, when we write it down and it can become the authority for what we believe and do, not the scriptures themselves. Well, you know, we believe that list of things over there that's on our website or uh, where I jokingly have said for years, where we put our creed is in a track rack, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that's where we list the <laughs> beliefs that we find acceptable or not, you know, and, uh, and that, that concept of right, you know, I've, I've seen so many people be scared to write it down because they, you know, yeah. it sets a precedent. It, it could lead to bad things in the future. It could lead to a, a disconnect from scripture. And, and while I understand that hesitation, ultimately, I think it's part of our human nature to want to know what are the boundaries of this group? What are the, what are the, yes. the limitations that I am accepting being a part of this group? And every group has that. Yes. And, and I think as long as it's explained that the reason this belief exists is because the Bible says X, Y, and Z, and maybe you do a little bit of historical theology and say this is why this issue arose. And because one of the things you learn from doing historical theology is uh, history kind of repeats itself. Not It never does the same verse over and over again, but you get echoes of very similar things because, as you said earlier, human nature really doesn't change uh, that much anyway. And so we wind up in some ways making the, the same mistakes over and over again, like the 
saying Goey's experience is a wonderful teacher. It helps you to recognize a mistake when you make it again. And sometimes that's exactly what we do religiously. We, we keep making the same mistakes over and over again in some slightly different contexts in different generations or, or different centuries. What are some of the things we need to do as Christians to be prepared to uh, avoid the handicaps of studying theology and really develop a better understanding and practice of it? Well, I think a simple answer would be to relate whatever we teach, whatever we say or write, whatever our God talk is, relate that biblically and say, all right, why, why should we believe this about Jesus Christ? Because there are these texts in the scripture that say this, or why do we believe in congregational autonomy or independence of, of churches rather than hierarchical structures? because we think that the book of Ephesians teaches this, or the book of Acts shows us this particular practice, uh, and so forth and so on. So I, I would say the main guardrails on all of this is to, to be biblical, uh, to, to relate whatever it is we say or think or write about God to what the scripture says. I tell you, that was great. It is always a privilege to sit down with somebody who thinks and talks and really dwells on deep ideas like Steve Wolfgang does. A big thank you to him for being willing to come on the podcast and talk with us about this very broad and difficult topic. And of course, a big thank you to you for listening. If you've not yet, we ask that you'll subscribe to the Preach Impediments podcast. You can just click on the plus sign there on your podcast player. Uh, if you're listening on the website, we thank you for listening there also. And of course, we want you to share this podcast with others. We want to reach people with the truth that God's word can be understood. It does not have to be complicated if we just understand the words that are used. Thank you again so much for listening and for being a part of what we're doing here at Preach Impediments. Until next time.